Bradford sets off upfield. He wants a speedster to run onto it. He might be the quickest. Oh, he kicks. He kicks ahead. And now Corey Oates will come. Oh, Oates with the one-handed pickup. How about that? Asako in behind them. He's confused. He didn't know whether to kick or whether to run. He takes the runner option. Jermaine Asako will score. Hello Broncos fans and welcome back to a much belated Broncos Weekly. As always, I'm Mitch and I'm joined down the line by a good friend Simo. How you doing Simo? Yeah, no, I'm pretty good. How about yourself? Mate, I'm going alright. The Rugby League world doesn't want us to podcast, but I'm going okay. Yeah, no, I mean, actually I'm a bit sick, but apart from that I'm pretty yeah. good. Well, actually I'm also but... a bit sick. <laughs> <laughs> but apart from that, we're both Okay. Uh, how's your uh, your trip to communist China, mate? Great country, mate. What 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 a country! China. Third trip there. If anyone doesn't know, Mrs. lives over there. It's a whole deal. If we're getting there here, hopefully. But uh, yeah, as for now, I've got to do the visits every few months. But mate, honestly, like she's been there for six years, so she's sick of it. But it's a great country. I like the food. I know. Again, she eats for six years. She's sick of the Chinese food. But mate, every day I'm like, this is the best meal ever. But the next day I'm like, mate. <laughs> I'm telling you what, this, this is the, the best, best meal, meal ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best thing I've ever eaten like, every day. Oh, mate, and it costs nothing. And, if you're back and forth that much, I need to hit you up for some duty free. Oh, mate, definitely. And like, I've got this bottle. So my, my missus gave me this bottle of, it's called Baiju. It's like Chinese vodka. Yep. But it was a bottle she was given from, like she went to a work meeting and as she's the good looking foreigner girl, for example, she gets gifts and shit randomly because of whatever China. And this bottle, like, Baiju is like a few hundred dollar bottle. And it looks, the bottle looks like it's worth a fucking grand. Looking at it. It's a fancy bottle, but yeah, I'm going to drink that. It's like a Chinese, like, ceramic bottle. Like, it's got, like, hand painting and stuff on it and everything. Gee. And I'm sure it tastes yeah. gross on the inside. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Well, I've just been on some cheap ramen apple juice since Magic Round, so that's what I've been drinking. Yeah, mate. And you've been on, um,. You've also been on touch competition wins. Yeah, we are. Uh, won the grand final last night, which, I mean, it's just stressful. Like, you win every game all season. You don't want to choke and do a Patriots in the final, so. Yeah. Um, we were down 4-2 at halftime. Ended up making the comeback, one eight seven at full time. Um, yeah, it's good fun to beat up on some little kids that aren't as good at football as you are. <laughs> Mate, you remind me there of not lose, winning all year and not losing the final. Uh, in under 10s, mate. Under 10s all the way back. Undefeated all year. In the major semi, we put 60 on the other team we played. 60-something to nil, and then we lost the grand final to them. <laughs> like, it was Union, so they beat us in the grand final. They beat us uh, 5-3. But um, we had a shot at goal to win it at the end. Again, under 10s. Oh, maybe it was under 11s, sorry. Shot at goal at the end to win it. And the son of, is it Greg Clark's son? Like the guy who, the, he's commentates Union. Shot a goal right in front of Winnet. The ball falls off the tee, but he kicks it anyway. He just kicks it along the ground, and then the game ended. 
terrible. <sighs> I mean, you at least pick it up and because you're allowed to pick it up and go for the drop goal. At least you're, have a proper crack. You're that's it. You generally let you take it again if it just blows off the tee, right? Yeah, he just I think kicked it's, it. Because once you start walking in, then you have to yeah. follow through because they can start obviously rushing up and charging yeah. the conversion. Yeah. Because I saw one where a guy, he started walking in and the ball blew off the tee and everyone are just rushing at him and just quick thinking, pick it up, drop goal, snap it straight over. Like, it was pretty impressive. Well, yeah, well, like, I'm telling you, in under-11s, we didn't know that rule. That's that's for sure. So, <laughs> But, yeah, uh, that, that was why devastating loss. But, man, this podcast, I tell you what, the rugby league gods are trying to stop us. We obviously had, I had my holiday... We had the buy around, but then, you know, we're like, yeah, we're keen to podcast, get, hook up yesterday, plug my microphone in, and I've got a bloody USB mic, and yet still making a bloody buzzing electronic noise so he couldn't record. Brilliant. Yeah, it was, uh, it was quite bizarre. It was like something was half plugged in, but yeah, USB mic, so that's not yeah. really a thing. So I bought an expensive mic again today. Obviously, the quality isn't stereo quality, but these like buying a USB computer mic costs like more than the mixer and stuff we bought for the other podcast. But I don't want a bloody mixer again at home. <laughs> Ridiculous! But here we are. Yeah, well, I um, bought. I got really into it when we first started podcasting and bought a couple hundred dollar mic. So yeah. I've got a decent one, but it can also do like you put it in the middle of a table and record everyone around a table. You can do heaps of stuff, so it's a pretty good mic. But What's the thing? I went for the immediacy. I wanted to record tonight. If I wanted to go order a good mic, I probably wouldn't record for another two, three weeks. And then what's the point? You know, at that point, I was like, oh, I'm going to get a mic now. Not the world's best sound quality, but it's a podcast. I don't need to be, you know, I don't need to be my dulcet tones in, you know, 15 levels. That's fine. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, right. Let's, let's get underway. Uh, we'll do some news first, which is, you know, not not heavy on the news. But we'll touch on the news first. Um, I'll start with the light stuff. First thing, Pangai in the Tongan squad, and Kotoni Stags in the Tongan Tongan squad. So I didn't even know Stags was half Tongan. I knew he was Indigenous, but there you go. Two in there. Dave Fafita obviously not playing because he's playing for Queensland. But uh, as you know, as an obviously adopted Tongan. <laughs> very, uh, very happy with the selections. I'm happy that Pangai stayed. I mean, that looking at that Tongan side, or it's obviously not named, but the potential Tongan sides at the moment. Yeah. Oh, they're exciting to look at. I just, I'm so keen for this game. The four packs ridiculous. Oh, it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's one of the best you'll see for a rep team. Yeah, and but the, yeah, again, obviously the halves are the problem. I'm like thinking, like, just, just throw stags at six. They've got no halves. Just throw him in there. Asiata 7, Stag 6. Lola is like 120 kilos if you see him play. He's so fat. I don't back him in the halves at the moment, but he'll probably be it. Imagine if you've got like... Stags isn't huge, but he's still pretty strong and can steamroll yeah. some people. you got him and Asiata in your halves, and your forward pack is like SST, Lolo, TPJ, whatever other nupties you got in there. Like, those three are ridiculous. And Asiata. Oh, yeah, you got Fafita. Like... Oh, man. Just... Don't even worry about halves. Just, like, get Andrew McCulloch as your hooker and just hit up after hit up up the middle and you should just barge over eventually. Yeah, so they're pack. They've got, like, Manu Ma'u going now to, like... It's just... It's just their full strength. Uh, Foto Aker made it. Fanua Blake made it. But it's, like... You're going to probably, probably start in the front row probably for Fida and Takayaho. Locke, probably Tamola. Probably play... Manu Mau and Pango on the edges because they need to find plot spots for them. And the bench is still like Fanua Blake is on the bench. Yeah, I mean, he's great. one of the best forwards this year too. He's doing great. Like this, yeah, it's a ridiculous forward pack. It is. So that should be a good game anyway. Um, other updates of so a couple of injuries. 
the the light one being Alex Glenn, a bit of a small MCL injury, then he's out for a couple of weeks. It looks like he's only going to miss the one game, but I think it's one of those things. I don't think it's the worst thing he's injured. His form hasn't been great, but it's like it gives at least gives Fafita like one game to see if he can, you know, put a stamp on that position. Yeah, I mean, he's just been playing like one of the worst, really, in the team out there. He's not really contributing much. He's been putting in, right? But it's no, just he's like, trying, man, but like. He gets tackled one on one like every time he gets a half opportunity now, doesn't he, old Glenn? Like, at some point, it doesn't matter how hard you try. Like, yeah. if you put me in the team, I could try harder than anybody else, yeah. and it's not going to do anything. Like, it's, you know. Oh, yeah. I don't hate Alex Glenn because he would never cheat us on effort. But it's. And now, this point, we've been this a few times over the last couple of years. Now, when you see Fafita there, you're just like, come on. Come on, Seebs. So we'll see how it goes this one game. Yeah, um, Joe O has like the world's worst knee gash and is potentially out for Origin 2. He had surgery on a knee gash to stitch it back up last week. So I don't know how someone's like modern rugby league boot cut his knee that bad in Origin, but yeah, that apparently happened. Surely you don't skip Origin though for that. No way. Like I know there's like risk of it reopening and stuff, you know, if you bend your knee or whatever. It's like, mate, put the world's biggest amount of strapping tape on there and you play that origin because if you lose your jersey, that can just be it sometimes. Especially with Kevy. He's like whoever he picked last game, like that's his team for next game unless there's injuries. Yeah, exactly right. So you don't want to lose that. And then obviously the major injury that everyone's aware of is Tom Dearden's got some uh, syndesmosis and whilst we've seen he's had surgery already, whilst we've seen some early surgery returns, like DCE only took five weeks, for example, to play Origin, the club has claimed it'll be cautious with with him and not risk him, and he's looking at around 20 return. Yeah, it kind of sucks, but you got to have a look at SOS. Like, that's the, the silver lining there. Yeah, look, I, I think... Um, I think it's the right call to be cautious. He's so young, and like we've seen so many times when clubs force back young players. Like, remember when Benji did his shoulder like every year for three years? Yeah. It's like, let's just get him right. Like, it's too early to risk it. Like, and I think Sean O'Sullivan will do a, a, a you know a decentish job anyway. So, that's that's the right call. Yep. Uh, last bit of news. We almost forgot to mention this, but I mean, it's been in the works all season, but we've missed it. But James Roberts. Has gone. He's already played for South. And uh, I, for one, I don't care which way it's painted. I, I'm going to miss him. Yeah, like, he, our intros at the start of the episode that, like, you got a couple of highlight players. I'm pretty sure he's been in that, like, every single year. Mm. Like, he's got, one of my favourite tries I ever saw was live when I was at the Cowboys-Broncos game. Milford breaks off the scrum, passes to him, and he runs the field. Like, that's one of my favourite plays just from being there and what it was in the moment of the game. Like, it wasn't a, a super hard. Like, he just had to be a fast player then, and he, he is. But he was somebody I always loved watching. Loved some of the stuff he could do. Like, all the baths he gave Latrell every single time, except, oh, that one fend that happened, you know, like, you know, but, like... Everything I was like that one time he just gets the ball and just ran around Latrell Mitchell and down the field like that doesn't happen. No one else is doing that. Mm-hmm. Like he, there's those times that there's many a time that, and I understand people always want him to get more ball, but that's the point. That's the quality of the player that he can be is that you want him to get the ball all the damn time. And already to me, you can see this season that there's just there's missing something without someone of his quality in terms of speed and game-breaking ability. Like there's so many times we'll have like a half-break or half-opportunity in our half and then nothing happens anymore. 
it's sad. Yeah, I mean, that happened with Shibasaki last game where you just like, if Roberts is in the same position, he probably scores there. Like, yeah. But there's just not that speed. And yeah, I mean, he was just someone I liked watching play. There's people exactly. like that. And I'm sick of these linear takes that our Broncos fans have. It's like, you know, I can I understand it was probably the right decision. James Roberts, when he's offside, for example, when he's offside with a club, he doesn't perform. We know this. And also, I know, again, we have so many centres. When Bird will be back next year, they're working on Parisi. There's Tessie Nui, who's under 18, who's killing. I get that we have a lot of centres, so they can lose one as well. I understand that. But it doesn't mean you can't be upset by it. It doesn't have to be one way or the other. And I'm, I get pretty sick of that with Broncos fans. Like, now we're all trying to diss him like he was never any good. Yeah, it's like what we said about when Wayne Bennett left. Like, you don't have to hate yeah. the person that left to love the person that's coming in. Yeah. Yeah, and it's disappointing to me that, that Seabold couldn't figure it out how to man-manage Roberts. And potentially Roberts one of those guys, once he's gone off you, he's off you, and he can't get him back. He has had attitude problems in the past, and he does like Wayne, and Wayne's always worked with him. So maybe it was just long, too far gone. But people like sticking in the ribs in the like ribs into him, oh, he's never good, he can't defend. All he is is a sprinter, all that rubbish. It's just like, turn it up, mate. Like... He's not the first fast person to play rugby league, but he's one of the few people to actually have that speed and be talented. Like, he actually stayed in the game. If he was just quick and didn't do anything else, he wouldn't be in the game. Yeah, like, if all you had to be was fast, there'd be a lot more fast people in rugby league. Yeah, but instead, we've actually seen a lot more of those guys try and fail and get kicked out of the game. They get brought in, they get a chance because they're speed, and it turns out actually they've got nothing else and they fail. And Whatever. So I'm sad he's gone. He's he's been one of the more exciting Broncos of the, of the modern era. You know, of the last ten years, if you ask me, easily. And um, yeah, we'll see what happens. And it does definitely hurts. And I mean, it was obviously was gone once we played Shibasaki after him, but it definitely hurts immediately this season when the drop from him is to now Shibasaki. You can kind of cop it when it's Bird and Stags next year. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay, we'll move on anyway. Let's move on to the, the review of uh, of last week's brilliant, brilliant fixture. Anyway, we'll, we'll try and do this one quickly. I think everyone kind of knows what went wrong. But uh, Sunday 9th of June, uh, round 13, the Broncos at Suncorp Stadium lost 26-18 to 18 to the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, tries for us. First one to Jake Turpin, uh, second to Cotone Staggs, and the final one to Anthony Milford, 3-for-3 three three from the boot with the Sarko. Uh, tries on the Titans' side. Brian Kelly got a double, the first and last tries of the game. Uh, Tyron Roberts and Anthony Don were the ones at the middle end. Roberts, four from four conversions, one from one penalty goals. In a game for mine, Simo, it was over the moment, did and did his ankle. <sighs> yeah, and McCulloch, eh? <laughs> like, yeah. I just... We were playing these... What, we won, I think, four of the last five before this yeah. game. The football was getting better... There was stuff to like, and then you just straight back to, like, round four Broncos. I just... I don't get how McCulloch's dropped off a cliff this fast. Yeah. it's we. You were right. We'd run four of the last five. The only loss there being that South game, but, we, you know, we just, we'd beaten the Roosters in that run, beaten the Sharks in that run, the Manly, and then wins against Manly in the way... In, in New Zealand and a lot of the game wins weren't good but they were like tough wins but we looked more likely with the ball and you come to this game and as you say the moment not even the fact Dearden went off the fact Dearden went off and McCulloch came on it was just like we switched back immediately to the what we were early in the season it was so bad with the ball it was just so slow too like we've gone from a team that was 
fast and a bit off the cuff, like could do some stuff, offloads and like we had that try against the Roosters. This is going back a few years now, but like in, out, in, out between the whole spine, like Boyd was there, Macca was there, uh, Ben Hunt, Milford, like scoring tries like that. And it's just so slow now. Yeah, 100% it is. And I feel, I feel like, and I might be wrong on this, but I feel like McCulloch played on the weekend like a man who knew he was under pressure, if you get me. Because when he came on the field, like he tried too hard. Like there was an occasion, it's too hard to stand out. There was an occasion when on last tackle, on the fourth tackle you saw, sorry, before last tackle, you saw Milford call a play. He puts the number three in the air and calls something out to the team, his teammates. So whatever play that is on their last play sheet, he calls play three. And that's on the left-hand sideline. So he goes to pull a, ro- a wide spread to the right. So it goes two passes, and it lands in McCulloch's hands in the middle of the field. He looks right, and instead of going right, he dummies and runs himself. And it's like, when has McCulloch ever, ever dummied and run away from, like, and beaten somebody from the like from 10 metres in the defensive line? Then he ended up turning it back into Tom Flegler, who got tackled, and it's like, mate, you, that, were, you were trying way too hard to engage a running game. You yeah, haven't that- got one. That was also like it, it wasn't like he ran to the line and was looking outside and then dummy and tried to cut back. Like he dummied and stepped back, like, yeah, well, well before the defensive line. Like <laughs> there's no yeah. way you're getting through there. I just, uh, I, after this game, I was like, I'm not getting excited about a Broncos game while ever him and Boyd are in this team because you, I don't care what anyone says. You're never going to win a premiership with these two players in the side. Yeah. Yeah, and we, me and you have been plenty, plenty patient with both these players too. A lot of other fans jumped them off the mid last year, and we were like, "No, let's have some patience." So I don't want to be like, I don't like being overreactionary, but it just immediately they're back there. That that switches flick back to the bad form, and then you talk about Darius Boy. Though, how many times in this game did you have? Well, first of all, you had Lodge, Pangai, and Harsh trying too hard, and that tends to happen when McCulloch's in there. What a shock! Because they get given the bloody ball. <laughs> they get trying too hard. And they have these occasions, again, when you have Haas or Pangai or whoever pop their head through the line and look for an offload. And there's never anybody around them when it's Boyd at fullback and Macca at nine. Macca's just ready to, to be there for the next play of the ball and Boyd's just doing whatever he wants to do. Never even know where Boyd is half the time now. It's just... It just makes you mad. Like... Oh, we're going to talk about this eventually, so may as well now. But that one where Boyd falls over, like, he didn't even look like he was that beaten. No. He just was, like, standing there in front of him, and then instead of, like, lunging forward to make a tackle, he just is like, I'm going to sit here on the ground now. That was worse than the slip for mine. The, it was the just... slip was at least he ran with some intent. This one, he's just like, eh. <laughs> and, like, chatting to some other people, and you see it on Twitter, and, like, talking to some people, you're like... On a kick chase, he's happy to be the first down there and put a whack on someone. Like, why is he happy to take the contact then and, like, try to bang someone, that, like, 90 metres away from his try line, but he, he doesn't want to ever make a try-saving tackle? Yeah, ever. Never wants to do it. He'll be first up on the defensive line. There's two things he wants to do now in our team, and it's that, be the first tackle, or the other thing he wants to do in our team is sweet plays. They're the only two things he's interested in doing now, hey. On sweet plays too, like we would have scored three tries if Corey Oates is on that wing, but it was Richie Kennard, not Corey Oates. Like, there was a few they set up, like not too bad, but it was just you get the ball and like there's a half gap there, but Kennard's not going to finish that off. Yeah, and I mean, Kennard was respectable feeling in that game. But yeah. as you said, there's... It's not a knock on him that he's... It was just the fact that without Corey Oates, 
There's half chances aren't being scored down that left hand side. That's just simply it. And I mentioned while McCulloch was trying to run more, so he he ran the ball eight times in this game, and that's his most run since like round three last year. And he's only run the ball more than eight times, three times in the last three seasons. And all the other, I think one and one of the other games was the extra time game. So like, he doesn't run the ball much. Usually runs it about four times a game, and that to me is a sign of him feeling the pressure. And he's like, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to. I'm going to play this game. I'm going to get my position back. I'm going to run the ball. And, you know, I'm going to be Jake Turpin. But no, you're not. <laughs> Didn't work, champ. What did we do to deserve this match? <laughs> and it's just one of those games like, so once you, we're going to make young team mistakes. And, and that's because, not because, we're not that, not as young as people keep making out to be. We do have some young players, obviously. We're going to make some mistakes. And we do that with occasions, where, and we've done a lot this year, when we, you know, in the in goal, for example, when there's a the other team's batted the ball dead, and we still have to make a slap at it, for example, like that happened in one of the tries we tried to score in this game. It's like, what are you doing? You give up silver tackle and set for no reason. About to be our ball. We do that. We make those dumb mistakes. But the worst thing about having young teams making stupid mistakes is then it gets compounded by your senior players in this team currently. It gets compounded by Boyd and McCulloch not being any good. Yeah, no, it's just. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's what it is. Yeah. It is, and then as 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 I said earlier in the season, we talked about how bad we are defending seven tackle sets, and then we gave up one off another Shibasaki bomb try, and they scored off of it. And at that point, it was still we dropped the the ball in the opposite end goal four times. The other team would score off the corresponding set all four times. <laughs> it was only till the next time we dropped an air goal they didn't score straight away. It was that we we stopped that streak, but. Every point we conceded in the first half, all eight team we conceded on the back of seven tackle sets, and I don't know why we do that. I can't figure that one out, why we're so easy to score against on them. We're the worst in the league in that regard. But, like, here's an idea, boys. You don't have to give seven tackle sets away. Putting it out there. <laughs> it's part of Seabol's attacking plan, mate. His structures. Yeah, it just uh, kills me. And in this game, I do feel sorry for guys. I thought, like, I know Pangai was getting hammered by the fans in the first half, but I thought him, him, Lodge, and Haas were slogging their guts out to try and make something happen in this game. But also, again, when once McCulloch comes back in, you know, we play that four-hit-up offense and can't get the ball outside of the train track. So they just get the ball the whole time. But you don't want your middles trying that hard. Like, they're not supposed to be creative outlets. No. You're not. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know much else to say on this. Let's, let's yeah. leave I this. I mean, <laughs> positives, we'll say positive. Positives is that Jake Turpin is just a fucking baller. Yeah, he, I mean, obviously. He's, the thing I love about him is he's like, he's... So short, but he just whacks people. Yeah, like he, that's it. He puts some hits on. He puts like a hundred and twenty percent effort into tackles, like just to belt some people. Yeah, when he gets up underneath the ball, which is quite rare these days, he hits underneath the ball in the rib cage. And he forces some mistakes, <laughs> but even as even at halfback, he was whacking people till the end of the game. And he still uses his running game a little at halfback. Just. Yeah, just re- just a really impressive player, you know, for us, and, and it's all energy and effort every every time he's out in the field, and um, it's no there's no coincidence when he plays nine, we look like a different football team. So he's keep kept the nine this week. We'll talk about this week's game in a moment, but um, I'm happy happy to have him, and happy that it's a good thing McCulloch got injured. We got to see it because who knows where he would have been without that injury. But uh, it's about time that he gets it, you know, at 60 minutes at least a week at this point. You'd hope from Turpin. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, I guess, what the actual plan is with him and McCulloch in when there's not an injury. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly right. But yeah, this game, like, 
Dearden went off, it was over. That was pretty much it for me. Then Milford was copying shit too, and unsurprisingly, again, McCulloch back at nine, and Milford wasn't getting good clean ball again. What an absolute oh. shock. It's like, he wasn't getting engaged in the line anymore, because again, he's not getting service at the line. All the takes I saw were like, oh, you know, Turpin goes off and all of a sudden Milford's bad again, as if Turpin was the one making Milford good. And it's like, have you not thought about, like, just what else has happened? Like, obviously, as soon as Turpin's off, like, Milford was not playing good when McCulloch was the hooker and now he was when McCulloch wasn't the hooker because he was getting good service and now McCulloch's the hooker again. Like, it's not just, oh, Turpin was playing and now Turpin's not playing. Sorry, not not Turpin, didn't, sorry. Yeah. And it's like the the last try, the try Milford scored at the end was kind of like what he'd been doing with Turpin. There was a good play the ball and the ball got put in front of him and he was fine. But there's a massive myth that he did, like he wasn't putting in in this game. He touched the ball 64 times, which is a you know hell of a lot of touches for a half. And he still ran the ball 13 times. Things just went happening because he was getting the ball standing still, <laughs> you know. And he was getting the ball when there was nothing on because that's just what when McCulloch said it seems what happened. We throw the ball at him and then when you've also got. So his running game can work when he's not playing at the line. When you've got options, it's if you go back and watch some of Milford's brilliant runs when he when he when he's uh, you know in 2015, 2016 or similar. There's a game where he carved Penrith, for example, and a big part of all those tries was the fact that when he carries the ball, Boyd's on his inside hip and Glenn's on his outside hip, so the defenders can't just all you know go for Milford. There's something in their minds. Yeah. And in this particular game, and as we've seen all year. <laughs> If he's not getting the ball running onto the ball running on, sorry, getting the ball running at the line, if he's getting it deep, there's nobody supporting him. It's just a one man. No one man is going to step through a whole team. It's not how this works. Yeah, no, for sure. But but let's yeah, let's move on. It's just a disappointing loss, but one of them again at the moment. Did and went down. I was like, yep, chalk that up as an L. Yep, no, that's that's what I thought <laughs> myself too. Okay, okay, now let's move on to this week's preview. Okay, so this week we go to Bankwest Stadium for the first time as the Broncos take on the Parramatta Eels, kind of our our recent bogey side. Uh, head-to-head, it's 57 games, 34 wins to the Broncos, 21 losses, and a solitary draw. Uh, the last three in the row is actually... Oh, I'm looking at Penrith. That's wrong. <laughs> but it's 57 games in hand for Parramatta, 33 wins, 21 losses, and the one draw. We've won the last one, but they did remember in 2017 those two terrible losses against this lot. But uh, anyway, let's run through those team lists. Radio at fullback, we've got the same old fella. Uh, over on the left is Corey Oates and Katoni Staggs. Jamat Shibasaki and Jermaine Asako on the right. Anthony Milford, 5'8". Sean O'Sullivan comes in, uh, the halfback. Front row of Matt Lodge, Payne Haas, Jake Turpin starting at nine. David Fafida uh, gets a start with Alex Glenn out. Matt Gillette, the second row, and TPJ at lock. Interchange of Andrew McCulloch, Jaden Sewer, Thomas Flegler, and Patrick Carrigan. Reserves is Richie Kennard, Sean Fenson, Patrick Margot, and James Seguiaro. Okay, and the Parramatta side. So they've got a, a few fit players back. But anyway, fullback Clint Gutherson. Uh, on the left wing, Mike Acevo with Michael Jennings left centre. On the right-hand side, Blake Ferguson and that fraudulent fullback himself, Josh Hoffman, did a little mini run at right centre for the Eels. Uh, in the halves, Mitch Moses and Jamin Salmon he returns to the side. Uh, the forwards, Kane Evans gets another start at prop with Junior Paulo. Reid Marnie is the hooker. 
the back row, you've got Sean Lane on the left, Manu Mayo on the right, and Nathan Brown at lock. Uh, interchange, Ray Stone, Penny Terrapro, David Gower, uh, Murata Niakore, and the reserves, Daniel Evaro, Tapai Moroa, Brad Takarangi, and Will Smith. And as is standard practice, uh, Simo, we don't get to play this team like three weeks ago when they were still playing Will Smith, Tapai Moroa, Tim Matter, and the likes. We get to play them as full strength as they've been in about 10 games. As, that's just classic Broncos. Like it is, even like last week versus the Titans is like Ash Taylor's been playing terrible all year. That's the week he decides he gets leave. Um, Bryce Cartwright gets the flu from not vaccinating himself, so he's out. Like yeah. all of this stuff happens. Just remember, like, like <laughs> it was last year when last year was bad when they had like James Ryan James was playing second row all year, and then they're like against the Broncos. Like, okay, now he's playing prop, and he killed it. And it was like. That was the only game they didn't play Bryce Cartwright for like the first half of the season. <laughs> it was just like yep. all of that, and it was like the teams just figure it out versus us. Yeah, well, players just get back, and yeah, you look at the Eels team, and like it's nowhere near as poor as it was two, three weeks ago. It's not too bad. I know they're a bit of our bogey side as well, but I do really think this is a get well game for us because we've got you know Sean O'Sullivan. I do believe will do a solid job at the seven. Have managed to score a try in this Queensland Cup this week, and I don't know if you saw it. But he had a cramp in both yeah. legs and scored a try. I, saw, I did great. see this. Did you see? <laughs> I saw someone like the fullback, like he was paying a hundred to one or whatever that he was going to pass. It's like he can't make it to the try line, so the fullback went for the dummy, and he just dummied yeah. and just kept running on his two cramped legs. <laughs> it was so good. It's a great. If you haven't seen it, guys, I think it's on the Queensland Rugby League Facebook. I think I might be wrong, but um, it's just great. He breaks a line break with one... He already has, like, one cramp when he makes a line break, and then the other leg cramps up while he's running. Gets to the fullback, and as you said, Simo, the fullback is pulled the Darius board. He's like, well, he has to pass this. Oh. He has to pass this. He can't run enough he's just the dummy and then hobble. He's just... He's running like he has no knees. Like, his both his legs yeah. are just straight. Oh, man, it's, it's a classic... Yeah, it, it is a great effort from uh, from Sean O'Sullivan. And I think, and I think he'll come into the side, and I think he'll do a solid job. He has got a better kicking game than Deirdre currently has, and I, I don't know if he'll aim up in defence as much as Deirdre did, but that's really what we've all been saying for a long time about what we want from our hook, our halfback is someone to just do their job in defence, decent in service, service in a kicking game, and you know I think Sean O'Sullivan can fill that role. And I tell you one thing, Simo, by the way, watching the Warriors on Saturday. I was like, you know, doing Hail Marys that we didn't have Nick Arima anymore. I tell you, wasn't that like a roller coaster of emotions, that game from Nick Arima? It was like, he set up that try, looked good setting up that try, scores that try, and then they just ran over him the rest of the game. Oh. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's one of those great moments again that, like, for some reason, no matter how many times we mean you had to argue with our own fan base about it, you've got to ignore the few flashy attack plays and look at the, the rest of the effect he has on the team. And like their right hand, left hand side defense, sorry now for the Warriors, just collapsed the entire game. And what a shock! It's Nick is at the fulcrum of it again. The same thing. Like the moment he's left our club, all of a sudden we haven't got Asako like ten meters in field all the time anymore. Yeah, it's that's because yeah, defense is from the middle out. You know. Yeah, I'm, I mean. I'm glad he's gone. I, I don't care. I didn't really enjoy Someone. watching him play much. It was just stressful, and you just knew he was conceding tries all the time. Yeah, so it was a massive stress relief watching him. I'm like, oh, well, that's not our problem anymore, so that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's all gone. 
But yeah, anyway, back to back to this game for us. So we've got Turpin back at nine, which is great. It is that is one of the positives of Seabolders. Whilst he hasn't made the changes fans have wanted to see in terms of you know Darius out and Mac out permanently, he has rewarded some changes. He's made bad decisions throughout the year on occasion. For example, when he started Jaden Sewell on the edge, or he started Matt Gillard at lock, or he he benched Pangot one period too. But generally, he's corrected him quickly. Or if someone's come in and performed, they've kept it. So that's at least that's a positive of some regard. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think he hasn't had just like it's just Boyd being the only one really that's been stuck yeah. around for some reason. Obviously, he's the captain. Yeah, you know, I guess there's a bit more there than just, it's not. You know, the thirteenth man on the on the the top thirty list. You know, he's the captain. You kind of gotta be a bit. Careful with that. More lenient. Yeah. And, but isn't it, isn't it funny though? Aren't you looking forward to, mate, Andrew McCulloch scheming around dummy half for the last 20 minutes? Got to come on and scheme. Oh, mate. <laughs> I'm expecting us to go back to like 2015 Broncos with Nicarima off the bench. Like, I'm expecting that sort of play. <laughs> right? If, if the plan is, by the way, McCulloch 20 or 30 minutes, I actually would have rather started him and then gone to Turpin if that's the plan. I don't know what the plan is. But if that was it, that would be my preference because you can get through the first 20 or so when it's like physical and you feel, and you feel into the route with McCulloch there. But as the game goes on, you want cleaner service. The last thing I want is like a field goal shootout at the end and McCulloch's at hooker. I, this seems very simplistic, a very simplistic statement. But in the end, I just think whether we win or lose is going to come down to how much McCulloch plays. <laughs> I like it. I like it. No, um, I, I, well, honestly, it it's like, interesting one. If Turpin plays most of the game and you've got that clean surface and Milford and Sean O'Sullivan are getting the ball on the front foot, I just I think we're a great chance. If McCulloch plays most of the game and Turpin plays like the first twenty or thirty and that's it, I just I don't see us winning. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I do I do like obviously we get to see Fafita now get that service outside Milford. That'll be interesting. Get you know, Glenn's been getting fed all the ball he can handle the last few weeks. He got eighteen runs this week. And I think that tells you a thing about how his impact's been. The fact he had 18 runs and nobody noticed them. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you give a feeder 18, 18 carries on an edge, we'll see what damage he does. So I'm quite excited for that as well. But I do agree that um, it, a lot of it will come down to, to Turpin and, and, and Mac's rotation. And that's already because we're already playing with only two other players in our spine with Darius Boyd at fullback. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, also, in this game... We've obviously um, got no offhand Galway, so Sewer's on the bench, but you can still see that young forward depth is actually pretty strong for us now on the bench. Sewer, Flegler, and Carrigan is still still pretty good. It'll handle its own. So, you know, not too worried there, but I'm, I'm, mate, I'm ready, already ready. I've seen enough of Shibasaki, though, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> That's the other thing I've seen enough of. Uh, yeah, don't get me started on Shibasaki. I, I don't get how he's made it this far with the talent he showed us. Yeah, like, I'm, he's one of those guys, I know he's killed a lot of juniors and stuff, but he must have been running over people or something, because he's not particularly quick or anything either, is he? Can't pick up a ball either. No, can't pick up a ball. Like, just can't dive on a ball either, apparently. Those are all difficult Mate, things. For but... someone that's descended from people that picked up white balls, like, I thought he would have been better at this, but... <laughs> right? Like, Parisi is uh, coming along quite well now, from what I've watched in Q Cup, and I don't know if they'll throw him in anytime soon. But he, on the weekend, he had 17 runs, 250 metres, by the way, in, in Q Cup, and, a, and he scored a try. So he's definitely like getting his work rate up. And, and, you know, he's looking pretty good. And he also set another try up too, by the way. How do you run 250 metres in, what, you said seven runs? 
17. 17. Still, how do you how do you run 250 meters and only score one try? Like, <laughs> yeah, but that's it. He's he was always a high work rate back when he played Union, so I knew he'd translate all right to league because of that high work rate. But yeah, he had 17 runs, is obviously the most of any back in in, in the game on that uh, when he already played. And Jimmy Halpawati is anyone who carried more carries than him with 18. But yeah, he's starting to look, come along more. So I'm hoping maybe in a few weeks, if Shibasaki just continues to be so mediocre. We could switch it up. Yeah. Yep. Who knows? Um, what else to say? Oh, yeah. Not really that related to this, but we'll talk about it anyway. Well, it is related, but McCulloch. So he's apparently exercised his player option for one more year. And now like, I'm I'm totally convinced that if we re-sign Turpin, we, we look, he's got to be gone, right? Like, they, I don't think that kind of guy... Like, I know he's exercised his player option. I think that's a security thing, but I don't think... McCulloch at his age would sign a one-year deal and is happy to sit on the bench. And there's definitely a club in this league dumb enough to pay him to get him to start. Yeah, I mean, I know him and Boyd, they both have X number of years left or whatever. I just don't think it means that much. Like, yeah. in the end, you get through Seabold's first year here and he's like, nah, you're out, you're out. Like, they're either just mm-hmm. going to not play or they'll find another club or they'll just decide to retire. Mate, you're 100% right. Contracts here, and I know fans get whingy about the meaning nothing, but it's like you've seen... We're starting to already see more that there's player options and team options becoming more public, but like they don't mean anything, mate. Penrith to sign half their team to five-year deals and half them are gone a year later. Like They signed Cartwright and Moylan, for example, to five-year deals and they're both gone the year after, and then half the team they signed last year for four years, half of them are gone already again, you know? They don't mean anything, and I think because I've been, such, I've been an American sports fan a lot in the past... I've also I've never really valued them that you know oh they're locked in or anything because you know in again in the NFL you miss a field goal and your contract's torn up. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean it's like Jimmy had obviously a contract, but in the end, if yeah. if like relationship breaks down between the two players between the two parties, yeah. sorry, if one party is like no, I don't want to play anymore, or the coaching is like hey, calm down, pick, or if the coach is like <laughs> I don't want you, like. It's just at a point there where it's not going to work between those two parties, and you're just like, okay, let's sort something else out. Like that's all it takes. Yeah, and obviously the only time it doesn't work is to get rid of those players is when there's absolutely te- they're absolutely terrible contracts. But you know that's Darius's case, obviously. Anyway, but Maka, I do feel like a team would take him, and I just have this inkling that the Warriors might be the team that do it. I have this inkling, like, you know, Isaac Moses has a lot of players at both clubs. Kearney likes ex-Bronco, likes a bit of safety kind of thing, you know, con- consistent player. And Isaac Luke's off contract. And I don't think... Nathaniel Roach is a very talented hooker, but I don't think they can rely on him because of how much his body doesn't hold up. He, I feel like he's the kind of perfect signing. He's not white enough and he's not safe enough. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, that that's one I want to look at. But I have a feeling another club would start him. But yeah, I don't think he exercised the player option to stay around forever. Like if he got offered three years elsewhere, he'd be gone, for example. Security. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. And like, I'm just disappointed more so that we signed Sigiaro and he's going to... Well, is this going to be it? Two games for us unless there's an injury. But he scored the match-winning try for us, so, you know. He did. I'm a big fan. I just one of those guys never under. And then you know, it feels sorry for the guy. By the way, he leaves the Sharks to get an opportunity. He gets two games for us, and he has a the drink driver thing. He's unlucky. People who are getting mad at him are idiots. He's unlucky what happened to him. But the week after that, Jaden Braley gets injured. So if he's at the Sharks, he'll be starting this week. <laughs> just like poor bastard. Just quick comment is like obviously we don't yeah. condone drink driving, but what he did was literally like. Point oh two. Like if he was, if he just got his license two years earlier, he would have been fine. Like that's the difference. 
<laughs> I mean, it's one of those things. Like, if he'd done actual drink driving, I'd be up his ass about it. So, it's you're a moron, especially if you're a rugby league player. The money they make to go out and drink drive, you're an absolute moron. But what he did was somehow you don't know what happened. Is the next morning he got pulled over by the RBT on his way to to get coffees. He's a coffee addict, by the way. Uh, if you didn't know for some reason, but anyway, um, and he blew like what was it, zero point one or something. Point point zero two. Sorry, point zero two. Sorry, which is like less than a beer in his system, kind of thing. Less than one beer at blood alcohol content level. Obviously, it's the rules on the on his peas. He gets what he gets, but it's not something I'll judge him for. We all have friends who have done way worse than that. No, like <laughs> at his age, that is like deemed yeah. a safe limit for most people. At his age, it's just that yeah. he got his yeah. on his peas, not his opens. Like that's yeah, that's it. So obviously, but don't feel- go drink driving, but. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm yeah. not mad at him for this. It's a bit whatever. Different. Exactly, and I feel sorry for him too because um, he came. Obviously, he's a Broncos fan. He came up here and he, and he loves the he got to prison, loves the club and whatever. But he so he does a bit of social uh, video, social media content kind of stuff with Isaac John and the company um that they, they run. And they, there is a video on YouTube. I haven't seen it. If you want to watch it, it's there. It's like Sigiaro's Broncos debut. And, before, and it's not too bad that they go through the, what he does pre-game or whatever. But there's a period in that where they um they ask him about like he's you know why the move or whatever whatever. And Segiara's like I oh, just you know it was, ta- it was taking too long to get in first grade at the Sharks. I like that club too, but Broncos came knocking. Loved the Broncos, had to go. And like he's like I have also I haven't got long left to fulfil my my dream, my my dream. And it's not an, an obvious dream, but his dream is to play Queensland Origin. And he's like. Brisbane is my best chance to play Origin for Queensland. So that's his goal, and he's got two bloody first-grade games, and he's going to be sitting backing up Andrew McCulloch again. <laughs> Poor bastard. I mean, he's he's not a worse hooker than Ben Hunt. <laughs> no. Well, the, ben Hunt was good in Origin. Like, he had that bad 20-minute period or 30-minute period there, but like, Sekiaro is a good hooker. It's just, it's just a weird career, and I don't know what it is. We've been through this before, but yeah, I feel sorry for the dude. He's come up, it's like, here's my opportunity, and then he's just going to be playing Queensland Cup again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, what, it's unlucky for him, but that's what it is, is what it is. It is, it is unlucky. I'll be going out to the game, by the way, mate, catching it out at uh, Bankwest Stadium, so I'm pretty keen, because I've obviously heard all the chat. Oh, well, we'll see everybody that's in Sydney, just message Mitch, I'm sure he wants to catch up. Yeah, I'm currently going with nobody, I think. <laughs> And, I, and also, because I'm so mad at the Broncos, I feel like that's appropriate. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't deserve to socialise. I just... Yeah. It's, it's just depressing, our team right now. It is, it is. And, like, we're still in the finals race, but, like, I don't really care about finishing eighth. You know, we'll probably finish seventh or eighth, and it's like, okay, that's nice. In the end, you want to be, like, an actual premiership threat. If you, like... If you finish seventh and you won and done in the first week, like you end up in Bali a week after the Tigers, you know who cares? Yeah, and I'm, and I'm happy to get behind us, like moving on to younger players. But it just and this isn't Seabold's fault either. This is the club's fault. It's just so bizarre that we like decided to rebuild, but we resigned like all the old players for multiple years, like a year ago. What? Yeah, signing Boyd for thirty-seven years is just a smart move. Yeah, it's like, we're rebuilding, but okay, we'll extend Matt Gillett while he's next broken. Uh, we'll re-sign, uh, we'll re-sign Boyd, we'll re-sign McCulloch. It's like, well, if you're going to rebuild, how about you, like, don't re-sign all the old guys who are over 28, 29 for four years? 
Yeah, it's, I, I thought that'd be the start of it. I don't get it. But, mate, yeah. people get paid more than yeah. you and I. They're in charge of this, so good on them. Yeah, they must be better than we are. <laughs> but anyway, um, any more comments on this game? Um, no, I'm pretty good. I'm just getting it. I have absolutely no read on it, mate, just because, like, I think we'll bounce back and win it because we're pretty good off of a loss because of our young team, whatever, but as we've seen with Parramatta, they've kind of aimed up against us a few on a few occasions, so it'll be interesting to see what happens, but, yeah. Yeah, I just think, I think, we'll I think it. it comes down to the hooker. Like, it's such a huge drop-off from the service we get from Turpin to the Macca. Yeah, it does. So anyway, I still think we'll win, and I'm going to say Broncos 13 plus. I'm back on. Oh yeah, Broncos 13 plus. Okay, have we got any questions there, Simo? Um, yeah, we got a few. Um, starting over on Facebook. Um, from Scott, he said, "How would Game of Thrones get rid of Darius? How would they? Yeah." I've written this season or written last se- previous years let's go for like season 4 season 4 I don't know how they get rid of him like he, he doesn't deserve a glory glor- uh, like a, a, a glory death now does he <laughs> like, no he'd just be no one makes it as cooked as he he'd does. just be like in the front line of one of the Lannister armies and just died in the first 4 seconds of a battle yeah that's that's, that's what he deserves so yeah, this season he'd die off screen or something. Um, and then then the writers would say how all of 100% of Darius Boyd's are dead and then they'd be like storming King's Landing <laughs> in the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the whole bunch of them would be dirty up storming King's Landing. On white horses. Um, yeah. <laughs> righto, from Marianne. Love that young fella Turpin. He's so keen. He's a little champion. Shame about the youngster injured. He's got great potential and enthusiasm. Uh, from Cameron, sad to see didn't hurt, but stoked O'Sullivan gets a crack. Uh, from yeah. Jack. Oh, isn't it one of those things, by the way, like, and this is what I used to always say about Nicaragua, it's not always about your size, small plot, but it was about his effort and intent in defence, and like, the difference that you get with Deard and Interpret at their size compared to Nicaragua. Nicaragua always watches people run at him and then holds on for hope. Whereas those two get in front and in, inside into people's faces, and it makes a huge difference. It's the smallest thing ever. You don't care if, you, if your little half gets thrown off if he if he gets up in someone's face, but that's like Dearden and Turpin do that. And Turpin just lays lays a smack down. Turpin tackles like he never watched Dal- uh, Dallas Johnson get knocked out in Origin. Like that's how he tackles. <laughs> <laughs> and Cody Nicarima tackles right. like he watches that on highlights, like on repeat, like for four hours a day, and he's just scared of making a tackle. <laughs> um, from Jackson he said thoughts on releasing Tanner and also McCulloch's rumoured extension just like Taylor this will set us back 10 years uh, so yeah people didn't hear Tana Boyd who's one of the, the, the few of the you know young crop of Harsley had has signed with the Titans effective immediately um, I don't mind Boyd he's the guy who played inside of uh, Dave Fafita on the way through the grades but it's one of those things. I mean, we have we have Sean O'Sullivan, we have Tom Deard, and you know those are our first two next crack halfbacks. We have Anthony Milford, we have Turpin. Then we then we still have Corey Pakes, who's got, might be a, might be the five eight or halfback or hooker that might be turning him into. And then we have the Queensland under eighteen's halfback and halfback and Josh James. Like there's there's only so many opportunities you can have. Wait. So I guess I've chosen Dart Tana's bottom of the rung there, and he's gone. Really, we had kind of like 
almost 10 people between these different positions. You you got to pick some of them that you got to try to keep and yeah. some are just going to have to go. Like, And I'm all for like not yeah. having any walkers at the club, so... Well, that's the other one. Sam Walker's gone to the Roosters, and that's obviously, if you didn't know, the son of Ben Walker, and um, apparently the Walkers and the Seabold don't get along. I don't know how true that is, but that's what I've heard in terms of why the moment Seabold came, is pretty much, they're pretty much gone. But as you said, I'm pretty much cool to have no Walkers. Remember when Jade and Nikarima went to the Roosters, and everyone was like, oh, the Broncos will let the best Nikarima go, and it was like, oh, what? He, he yeah. played like three games and then got done for cocaine or something, like... Jokes on you. There's no best Nicarima. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but but it's like, mate, like I was gonna say. Remember that game he played in the World Club Challenge where he carved up some English farmers. Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things, right? Okay, so Sam Walker is, is rated as one of the best young players in the country, right? Well, so was Ben Walker, and so was Chris Walker. Ben Walker was supposed to be the the business as a six, and his son has now got the same talent, obviously, but. That's it. I don't need a walk, walkers at the club. And even if he goes on and has a good career, again, it's like, whatever. We, we've we made our choices. And I think everyone's pretty happy with the choice of Dean so far. We'll see where it goes. But I'm not ready for the sideshow that comes with Sam Walker because there's absolutely no doubt his dad won't be silent. Well, that's the thing. Like, It's not like it's Andrew Johns's kid. Like, you know, if it's Darren Lockyer's kid, you might be like, or Cameron Smith's kid. You're like, okay, let's like... Let's have a look at this. He might be a good football. Like, what the Walkers, like, Chris Walker scored one try in Origin off Darren Lockyer, and that was, like, all he ever did with his career. Hey, remember these three brothers that were club invested in, and all of them fucked us? <laughs> yeah, let's get their kid. <laughs> let's get their kid. And, like, it's whatever. It's like, and it's like, as you know, because obviously the, the, them, those guys being brothers and coaching at the at Queensland Cup level now, and they're already pretty vocal. Like, remember when Ben Hunt played one game in, in reserve grade, and they thought they'd say Ben Hunt Yeah, that was, that was great. Like, you wait... Yeah, the Sam Walker takes will be coming out, and if he doesn't play a game or whatever, they won't shut up. Like, so I'm fine to lose him, just not deal with the Yeah, it'd be a circus. It would be. Anyway, um, next question. Right, yeah. Cameron, would you rather your team make five grand finals in a row but win none, or win one but get the wooden spoon the other four years? Uh, win one. 100% win yeah, one. Yeah, I'm win one. I mean, obviously winning... Five grand final, uh, being in five grand finals, like those, the whole time in general for five years is going to be pretty good to watch football. Like you'll be a great team. You'll be there. Yeah. Or, like if you didn't know the choice, I think you would enjoy the five years more. In yes. general, like you, you don't want to be watching the nights from previous years. You know what I mean? But yeah, if you know the choice, you're definitely picking a premiership. Yeah, you are, and that's just it. That's how it works. Like the club wants one bad as well, but it's the same thing. Like, you know, Tigers West Tigers had their one premiership, but you see their Tigers fans talk like every three weeks about two thousand and five. Mate, example. we still talk about two thousand six. Even with bad years, <laughs> well, as we do, that's the same. But even with the, if we won four spoons and got a uh, premiership in five years, I'm not. I'm remembering the premiership, not the not the yeah. spoons. Um, from Stephen, he said, "You guys are doing a great job." Thank you. Mate, thanks, Stephen. Wait, what's, is that when we do podcasts, or is that a sarcastic <laughs> comment that we never I don't know. I'm taking Either it as 100% it. genuine. Uh, from Johnny, now that Maka has extended his contract for another year, do we lose Turpin or Segiaro, or does Maka get moved on instead? We kind of talked about this, but yeah. 
yeah. Um, from Travis, he says, how good is rugby league? <laughs> uh, Thomas, how bad is grand final being held at the SEG for 2020 and 2021? Um, for F's sake, you can't see anything. Should have been at Suncorp, in my opinion. I mean, uh, well, look, in the end... I think everyone agrees with you. Yeah, as far as like... In a vacuum, if you can pick a ground, Suncorp is better than the SCG. But it's like similar to Magic Round, how people are complaining that it was in Brisbane, but it's like, well, the Queensland government bought it. You know, or like New South Wales, go- yeah. New South Wales government pays for the grand final, so. Yeah, mate. Look at you making the points I was about to make. But they, they've got the grand final, I think, until like 2041 or 2048, the New South Wales government to pay for that grand final. <laughs> so that's just it. I'm sure you can try to find a way out of it, but you think New South Wales government are like... Yeah, actually, let it go to Queensland for two years. Yeah, let, let you buy it out. I Hell mean, no. It'd be like... The, um, the only like, thing I could see is, like, if it's specified stadiums, it had to be played at in the contract. Like, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, whatever. Yeah. I, I tweeted this out earlier. I don't really care because I'm not going to be there. The Broncos won't be there. So, you know, good luck to the four yeah, teams that have to play there. The, exactly. It's dumb from the... Um, from the government itself to be developing the stadiums at the same time. I think that's stupid. Like, why don't you wait till Allianz is finished to then start doing using ANZ because you're putting such a huge load now. Like, this is a, this is a state that has, obviously it has the nine NRL teams, but it has a, rug, it has a rugby team, it has an AFL, or two AFL teams, sorry, all, all these teams, and they've only got to have two stadiums for two years. Oh, you got... Not smart. It's in the FC as well, obviously. Yeah, but, well, you got three. You've got... What's the giant stadium now? What's that called? Oh, yeah, that doesn't count. Well, <laughs> yeah, so that's what, the, that's what the third... The second AFL team plays out of. But it's just going to be pretty yeah. much everyone playing out of Bankwest, isn't it? Everyone playing at Bankwest? Yeah, exactly right. They're all going to be there, and... I think, like, even South are going to Bankwest, Yeah, they are for these years. <laughs> And then Sharks is also redeveloping their stadium, which has been announced, and they're playing at a Cogra. Uh, so, like, it's... Yeah, it's just an all-mess. All I don't know why they didn't wait, because, yeah, SCG, having been there enough, but the Broncos game we watched the other weekend, Sarus, is an absolute disgraceful view for rugby league. So, those two grand finals, you know, I guess it's not the worst thing we're not in them. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, on Facebook from Sally, he said, discuss the origin, if that's allowed. Oh, uh, I think I think it's a bit long on the tooth now. We can talk if we want to, but if you you know, I've got a lot of chat on NRL Boom Rookies, uh, the podcast. If you want to go there and have a listen, like we had a whole pretty much Origin review for about an hour last week. I don't know if you've got any takes, Simo. You want you want to put out that um, Origin? Uh, I mean, I think it's hilarious that Freddie and Brandy got out coached by Kevy and Justin Hodges. That's like my that's my funny bit. It is great. It's great that, like, last year they both were terrible with interchanges. This year, Kevy copied what all the NRL coaches do. And what a shock that 201 games a year sample size is a good sample size. All he did was rotate his forwards every 20 minutes. And Freddie went into overload. Uh, <laughs> What's going I on? I think it, it must be Justin Hodges. Like, he's just been the stabilizing influence in that coaching room. And he's like, he's sorted it out. Um, but honestly, I think Queensland were much better than New South Wales for the whole game. Like... We blew four tries in the first first half. I wasn't surprised that we came out in the second half and won. So you know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Same thing. And it's just, um, I just, I do love though. I love like the the problems they like they create for themselves with their halfbacks and that kind of stuff. It's, this is the one big difference. I'm not saying they don't get Origin whatever, whatever. The one big difference between the two sides is that Queensland always pick a team to win this year's series. Yeah. Always. 
the Blues are picking a team to win next year's series half the time. Well, that's what they're doing. Well, half their players they do that with, and the other half they're like, how do we stop Greg Inglis? Like, that was what they did for years. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. <laughs> let's <laughs> pick some players that will stop Greg Inglis and let him score one try a game. Like, yeah, it's, like, it's not hard. Exactly. Just pick who the best players are right now on round 14 form. That's it. I mean... <laughs> I mean, like, for example, you know, they threw in and Jared Maloney was too young because the same thing, oh, he'll, 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 be, he'll be the halfback anyway. Did that, ruined him. Did it to Mitch Pearce, ruined him. Doing it to Cleary right now. And now Pearce is actually good enough to be playing at level and it's just the most awkward decision to bring him back if, if or not because they've brought him back like 10 times before and he's already failed. That's just what they create yeah, for themselves. Like, but then, like, he very well could yeah. come back and win and it's like... Yeah, like you said, it's just a hard position. Like he comes back and wins. It's like, oh yeah, but he didn't do it with, when the dynasty was there. Like he did it when like everything else was shut down. But like, if he loses now, it's just the worst thing in the world. It's like just you could never ever pick him again. But in two years' time, they'll be like, yeah, but he's the best half in New South Wales right now. We got to pick him. And it's like, well, we tried this eighty-three times yeah. already. Yeah, and we've made a million excuses in the past for it. But any, but it's just one of those things, like, when they came into this series, I know Maloney or Cleary weren't playing well at club level, but they played for the same club. And Maloney has been a better player than Nathan Cleary for the entirety of Cleary's career. Maloney was one of the fulcrums of them winning the series last year. And they come into game one, they drop the older one. That's pretty much it. <laughs> like, well, Cleary's going to be the... He's going to be there. Mate, like, Yeah, Maloney's not going to retire two games into a three-game series. Like, he's going to be there for game three as well. It's okay. Yep, exactly right. It's like Cody Walker goes in for one game and he's like 29, so they can drop him. Mate, it's just racist future. New South Wales. It's they wouldn't pick Blacklock. They wouldn't pick Greg Inglis, and now they won't pick Cody Walker. Yeah. Come yeah, to Queensland, mate. Yeah, we'll mate. pick you. It's just, it's just funny. Actually, I heard a story that exactly. when Cody Walker, his missus, was pregnant, and then just before she gave birth, he drove, like, hours across the border. I don't know. He was playing in Q Cup somewhere. I Yeah, he drove, yeah, he drove across heads. the border to have the baby in New South Wales. And it's like, you guys were wanting to pick Luke Keary, who literally wrote a letter to the CEO saying, can I play for Queensland? You're wanting to pick him over the guy that loves your state that much? Like... And my favourite thing, by the way, is that Cody Walker doesn't understand origin eligibility. He thought that made him eligible for the Blues. <laughs> like, oops. I don't know. For me, Damien Cook's number one on your list. Tedesco's number two, and Cody Walker's number three. That's like my list of if you're picking Blues. Yeah. yeah Radio. I run Twitter now. Um, from at Rugby League God, what position will Falau play at the Broncos? I'd say he's a power bottom. <laughs> I didn't read the, that question. <laughs> Moving on. From Corey Goats, how many tries will Fafita score running off Milford? Mate, if he gets one, I'll be going up. That's, I'll tell you that much. I mean, if he gets 18 runs, he's going to get one. Uh, Corey Goats again. Can you give us an update on the young outside backs? How good is Coates, etc.? Okay, so uh, Xavier Coates and Tessie Newey, um, they absolutely they played in the Queensland under-18s last week, and they absolutely balled out both those guys together. I mean, Newey looked like he was going to score almost every time he touched the ball. Newey's a centre, and um, yeah, he, he and Coates played in the same edge. Coates does it kind of runs like Corey Oates. I think I've sh- uh, you saw some of the stuff ASIMO, like long, athletic uh, winger, Played on the right hand side too, but both of those guys look like exceptional prospects. And I, 
And I don't want to put too much pressure on bloody 18-year-olds. I don't want to turn all Penrith or a Tigers fan always looking at our next lot, as we <laughs> seem to be doing this year. But the, the word is Coates will be in the, in the top 30 next year. He's currently playing Queensland Cup this year now. He's been put in the Queensland Cup squad. So if you want to catch him play Queensland Cup, I'd suggest having a look. But those two guys were the best on the field in the Queensland Maroons under-18s last, under last week. And those highlights are on QRL if you want to see them. But Coates has only played the one Q Cup game. and He scored a double, broke four tackles, 100 on metres. He was pretty handy. But yeah, they look like a real pair of the future. Yeah. Righto. Um, now, from at Budu Inya, he said, have either of you ever had Tinder? I mean, I haven't. Yes. Okay. Yes, I have had Tinder. Yeah, like I, yeah, I had Tinder. Like, I was single for like two or three years there between my, long dis- my long-term relationship and my current one. I had Tinder, and it's like the best and worst thing to ever happen to dating. Yeah, well, I met Emily when I was like 16 years old, and... That's pretty much the end of it. We ended up getting married. That's it. <laughs> yep. right, that's it. That's it. That's it for you. But yeah, Tinder's the best because it's immediate, but it's also the worst because it's immediate. Yeah. Rightio. Uh, at GM Walker underscore. What is the most egregious coaching decision of this year? Glenn over Fafita. Gillette at lock. Macca is 14. Shiba over Roberts. Darius Boyd being allowed inside the doors at Red Hill. God, that's a, that's a good selection. Oh, it's murder is row of great decisions. Um, I might actually say Jill at a lot. It's, it's a shocker. Was it he had like four runs in that whole game? He was terrible. And he, like, he just, the idea was just disgusting. And how I love how fans bought into, oh, he's, you know, working his way back into the game. It's like no one's ever worked their way back by making way more tackles than normal. Like, just throw him in the middle. So next time, like, Sean Johnson came back from injury tonight against the Sharks. They play him at hooker. <laughs> they make him make 50 tackles. No. <laughs> uh, also from Jim Walker. Seems like Broncos haven't been carried over the last month by a 19-year-old man mountain. Seen any clear positives compared to the earlier rounds? Turpin, Milford without Cody impeding. Sorry, seems like the Broncos. Oh, sorry, yeah, can you I, the question again? Seems like the Broncos have been carried over the last month by a 19-year-old man mountain, which Haas. Um, have you seen any clear positives compared to earlier rounds? Uh, wait, you dropped out for me. So 19-year-old man mountain, you dropped out for me. It seems say? like the Broncos have been carried over the last month by Payne Haas. Um, have you seen any other clear positives yes. compared to earlier rounds? Turpin, Milford without Cody. Well, yeah, those are obviously the two clear ones you've named. Uh, obviously, Payne Haas's continued emergence is a, is a large positive. Um, the defense, like, I mean, our attack has struggled, which is not the, the best song considering our attacking talent that we've come from, but the defense is, bar this week, obviously certainly improved. You know, the previous games, we conceded two to the Warriors, ten to the Chooks, ten to the Sea Eagles, and then after, before the Rabbitohs drubbing, six to the Sharks. You know, keeping teams to 10 points or under is, is, is the way you win premierships in the long run. So that's fantastic if the team, the young players, keep that defensive attitude up. The points will come on top of that eventually. So that's another good sign, and it obviously did. And But uh, I, I, what I would say is I haven't seen as much from Katoni Staggs as I thought I would see him playing center. Yeah. That's a thing, I guess. Yeah, I, st- I still like him. Like, I think... Yeah, I know, like it just too. it wasn't so much like when he first started. It was like every game he was like brushing off people and sc- he'd score a try. Like it's not been like that level, but I still think he's good. Of course. 
And everyone just assumes he's already better than Roberts just because, but yeah, he's not better than Roberts yet, guys. Um, there's one here that I'll come back to, but I've got a few others. Just this other one will be like, we'll probably talk for Ed for a while. Uh, from yeah. Prince Devitt 999 he said, Thoughts on Izzy Folau? I'm good with it. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll start this. Well, not, I'll start this happen. with like, I would be good with Folau for like 400000 a year. Like that sort of money. But he's going to want a million. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, he has to. De- he's going to have to delete that post to get that and delete those comments. But like, he refused to delete an Instagram post to save his like a million and a half dollar a year rugby deal. Why would he do it for a four hundred k Broncos deal? Yeah, I just, I just purely from football side, I don't know if it'll be that good anymore. Yeah. Oh yeah, football side, I take him four five hundred. No way, I take him for a million. But yeah, um, I'm sure I talk myself into it. I'll be I'll be out there slagging the the, the gays. <laughs> we sign uh, Israel. I'll be getting asking him to baptize me on the middle of Suncorp like he does his backyard baptisms. If he does has a good game. Uh, from DT Owens ninety eight, we already talked a bit about Coates, but he said thoughts on Xavier Coates and Ethan Bullimore as prospects. Uh, Ethan Bullimore, that's he's he's at Norse Devils. He's uh he's a prop there. He's been playing off the bench and he actually got some starts and him and Herbie Farmworth looking quite likely. Kind of look like each other too. But uh yeah, it's it's quite funny that you've got Bullimore now too. It's like we've got more and more young forwards rolling through, which is good for a team that for like ten years there, our best young forward was uh like David Harlow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mitchell Dodds. I remember those those years. Mitchell Dodds. Remember that? Yeah. Oh remember mate, that? the Harlow Dodds years. But Palmer Wapow, mate. Um oh, I think it was versus the Warriors. Corey Parker played the ball like two meters out and then they passed it just straight back to David Haller, who just like head butted straight into the back of Corey Norman. Oh sorry, Corey Parker. Yes. Um, so righto, from Osport Matters, is this Broncos team slash Bankwest Stadium worth a four-hour round trip on a Saturday night? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, no, wait. So four two hour hours each trip, way. Two, two hours, two, two hours from... Oh, it's close, actually. I'm probably doing like an hour, an hour and a half each way. I thought four hour each way. Uh, I, I think it's because of the Bankwest experience is worth yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a good stadium, obviously. It's been it's been made well. Let's try so. it out. Uh, from Danger underscore Anger or Anger still don't have that nailed but with the amount of talent being moved on are the Broncos looking for a marquee player signing if so who is needed by the club I definitely think now at this point like at one point there we were releasing players and I thought that was it's just to retain what we have if you get me I definitely think like there, there's movement there that will probably make a splash in the off season what do you think? Yeah, I don't know who you'd really go for. Like, I oh, maybe you could go a fullback. Like, uh, if you don't like the idea of a Sarko there, I got one for you. Yeah, I got one for you. So I've been, I've been, be- I've been begging for the the Cowboys to sign the fullback for the last few weeks. Valentine Holmes. Once I've lined this all up, begging for it. <laughs> yes, because the timeline is they've got Scott Drinkwater now going there. AJ Brimson's locked in at the Titans. Now, come, come September, if we you know make finals, whatever, get knocked out after a week or two, NFL season starts like the 9th of September. So, cuts are around that time. What we need, Darius Boyd retires mid-September or October. Val Holmes, cut from the New York Jets. Bang, Val Holmes, Broncos fullback 2020. Nowhere else nah. for him to go, right? 
I mean, I don't like the bloke, but whatever. Oh, I don't love Val Holmes, but mate, like, the reason the reason why I'm pro it for us is like it's a complete different type of fullback we've had for the last decade. I'm now sick of the sweet play. I'm sick of it. As well. I've had a gutful. <laughs> I want a fullback who pushes up in the middle and supports, returns the ball hard, and then also again, kind of like James Roberts. Once he's through in the clear, he's going to score most likely. But I want someone. That's what he's really good at at the Sharks. He pushed through the middle and supported. We have all these forwards who can offload and have this great ability, but there's no one who supports them. So I'm like, that's the guy. Let's do that. Rodeo, uh, from Danny Boy, 1995. He says, should rape exclude someone from being awarded an Australia Order of Medal, um, Order of Australia Medal? Oh, God. Um, on yeah, I would say it should exclude someone. I, I, Whether it's back, you know, like 15 years or so, around 2004, I, I think you should definitely, like, that should be taken into consideration. I no, no, like specific examples at all. Just like general comments, but you know, um. <laughs> right here. <laughs> um, this is the one I thought we might discuss for a little bit. So this is from RCG Kennedy. He said, "If Bennett had retired at the end of 2018, would you both hate Seabold as much as you do?" Um, I don't think I hate Seabold, but other people could probably take it that way, which is fine. If that's an exception, that's fine. <sighs> Yeah, I don't hate Seabold, but I think this is a thing that Wayne Bennett had been the coach since 1988. He had a huge history of, like, doing things I didn't think would work, and they really worked out for him. And so, at that point, I got to a point where it's like, whatever he decided, he just automatically got benefit of the doubt, and Seabold doesn't have that yet for me. So, so every decision, like... If Seabold signed player X, if if Wayne Bennett signed that player, I'd be like, yeah, it might work out. If Seabold does it, and after three weeks it looks absolutely terrible, right. I'm like, that's that's a dumb decision. Like, so at that point, I'm already criticising it, and that's just, man. If Seabold coaches us for twenty years and he's amazing, and then he's like signs player X, I'm like, yeah, have a crack at it, do what you want. I mean, I got behind signing Benji and Adam Blair and bringing Darius Boy back for for for, for Wayne. And those are three players I hated for a long time. Yeah. You know, like, that's the thing. That's that's the clout he'd, he'd earned in the respect he'd earned from me in that regard. And if he retired, there's no doubt I'd have, a, I'd, have a, I'd have a very different scope of what this season was in general because he would have been able to go on his terms and they left the club in their certain way. And he'd probably still be working at the club if he retired. It's a very different scope to us knifing him in the back, pushing him out, having this weird vision of, like, telling Wayne he has to win the comp or he's gone. Doesn't win the cup, obviously. He's gone. Resign all these players, end up at this spot like halfway through the next year, going shit. We need to like rebuild. Um, the, the whole vision is what I've got. I've got the biggest issue with. It's not Seabold's fault. Seabold did what any any coach half a brain would have done. Broncos Broncos job was open. He's from Brisbane, mate. I want that job. You know, a million bucks a year, you can get whatever working there. You get a five-year deal. I don't blame him for doing what he did because if, if I'm in his position, I'm doing it. Hell yeah, I'm doing what he did. But he doesn't have, as you said. The, the cachet or the clout build up for, for me to not question. Yeah, I just, at this point, like, he plays Gillette at lock. Like, if Wayne Bennett plays Gillette at lock, you're like, man, I don't see it, but we'll see what happens. Like, you just, you're just looking at every decision just differently because someone's got 30 years of success versus they had, like, one year and bombed out in the finals. Yeah, and exactly. Wayne went, again, went down to the Rabbitohs and at one, they, were, they were 10 and 1 at yeah. one point. 
you know, till the origin period. And that was with, they've had like eight injuries every week too, like, you know. That's it. They were playing Ethan Lowe in the centres and that kind of stuff. That's it. That's the clout that Wayne has earned. So you buy buy into more of that stuff. And as you said, it's easy to question, say, well, when he's made questionable decisions and we rattled some of those off earlier. I mean, this is the same guy that in round one of the year, as you said, moved Gillett to lock and decided to start Jaden Sewell on the right edge who was sucking him deep in after 20 minutes and within five weeks, Sewell's out of first grade. Like, that's just not good decision-making. And whilst he's... He's learning and, and adapting now, and, and coaches can learn, just like anyone can learn, and players can learn. Doesn't mean we can't question decisions, and I think any... I, I hate this bullshit that a fan supports 100%, because any good fan, in my opinion, does question things, and often I would question what Wayne... the process of Wayne was, but I'd end up just, or oh, whatever, I'll go I'll back Wayne, is where I go. Yeah, to, we just... Know? We saw there was enough situations where you were doubtful over the decision, but it worked out, so you were just... You were happy enough to, like settle with that decision oh mate we criticised Nicarima last year with, with Wayne and when he moved Bird in and took Nicarima back in again it was like well I don't understand yeah. what Wayne's doing you know it's not like, but there's this big difference yeah no I, I agree there That's that was the last one and obviously, I want Seabold to do well, by the way. He's my bloody club's coach. I'd, lo- I'd love him to be doing well. I'd love him to win a premiership this year. You know, I'd love him to win one any year. But, yeah, I definitely... Obviously, if Wayne retired, the scope would be entirely different on the the whole Broncos season and my whole feeling for the club right now. I mean, I haven't got a membership with the club anymore at this point, you know? That's because, you know, Wayne's gone. That's They don't get my money. Yeah. That's... Yeah. We, we've seen, like, the the club goes up and down like when Wayne's left and then come back and like the way it works like that's mm-hmm. as he's been a huge part of the club what they've achieved what they've done how well they've been run yeah it makes a big difference to the club and yeah oh yeah one thing before we move on we sign off people can miss me with hammering him for like oh Boyd and McCulloch whatever whatever as if we didn't make grand finals when Wayne was here and didn't make prelims but then praise the young players at the club. It's like, mate, have you even have you read anything any of these guys have said? Again, in an article like two weeks ago, Payne Ars came out and said he wouldn't be at the Broncos yeah, without same as DBJ. DBJ rang him up on the phone. Yeah, but that's it. Like, they, a lot of these players wouldn't be... Like, they're staying with us, which is fantastic. They wouldn't even be here in the first place without him. So don't act like he left his place in, in, a, in a, left the club in a bloody mess or he didn't, you know, didn't prepare, left the squad terribly or didn't prepare for the future. Those young players have signed up because he was there. Yep. That's just a flat fact. Yeah, well, I think we're done. Yep, yeah, I think that's done here. Uh, oh, God, we made it much longer than I thought we were considering we this barely... This is every episode time, at this are. point. It is. Well, it's because we only record like <laughs> once every two weeks now and then whatever, we just have too yeah, much I'll see to you say. all in August then. Whatever. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, let's yeah, get out of here. Yeah. See you later, everyone. That's the way it's gonna be.